To defeat an enemy, you must know them. Not just their battle tactics, but their history, philosophy, art. To the Chiss Ascendancy Podcast. Hello everyone and welcome back to... The Chiss Ascendancy. Episode 49. 49. Which is fitting because we're amongst where the 49ers would have been. Oh, you're right. Yeah. We are actually shooting right now uh, in Northern California. Uh, so we're on vacation and uh, we're at my in-laws house, but I've got two kids. My brother-in-law has a kid and everyone else in the house is also noisy. <laughs> so we decided to shoot in the van. So this is kind of cool. We're on location. Uh, so today, episode 49, we're talking about duos of Star Wars. Yeah. The best Star Wars duos. And uh, so we thought about teams, but that could just be crazy how many things we come up with. So we went with just duos, just pairs. And uh, so before we jump into that, a little bit of news. First thing is, there's a turkey right outside this car as we speak yeah. that almost attacked us about 10 minutes ago. He's vicious. And so if you hear a... It's not me. It's the turkey. There you go. See? Uh, and then secondly... Uh, in the world of Mandalorian, season two is wrapped up, and uh, remember last year they did Disney Gallery, mm -hmm. where they went through uh, the volume right. and animatronics and all that kind of stuff. And this season, they're releasing them weekly. Well, I thought they were. But is it just the one? It's just the one, and they that go through sense, every though. episode, but it's over an hour long. Yeah. Um, because they've kind of already revealed a lot of stuff to us of how to make the show. Right. Uh, so that's available, was available starting Christmas Day. And, uh, and then secondly, uh, now we know he's on the roof. He's on the roof. Oh my God. Look at him. Oh, you guys can't see him. I guess there's a freaking Turkey on the roof. Hang on. I'm take a picture. Dang. That's like, uh, when we grew up, they were peacocks in the neighborhood that we lived in. And so every once in a while they would fly and land on the roof of our house or our grandma lived next door on her roof and our crazy. dogs would be ticked off oh yeah they would just it. be going crazy uh so other news is that as of right now we know for sure that the book of boba fett is its own thing mm -hmm. and it comes out december of this coming year 2021 yes and we also know that the mandalorian season three will not be coming out until 2022 it looks like but it could be early uh so we could get Book of Boba Fett, December, and I think it's going to be four-week miniseries, mm -hmm. and then in January or February, somewhere in that area is what I've heard, Mandalorian Season 3 will come out. So we, we still have to wait a little bit longer, but we get a whole miniseries just about Boba Fett in the meantime. Lovely. So, cool stuff. Uh, also, we'd like to say Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. And uh, that's kind of the motivation behind our idea here is... Uh, one of the coolest things about the holidays is getting to hang out with family and friends, getting to spend time with loved ones. And so we thought, who are some loved ones uh, from the Star Wars side of things? If Christmas, I guess it's Life Day in 
in their world, but if and Christmas was a thing, yeah, if Christmas was a thing in Star Wars, uh, who would be hanging out on this day? Yeah. And so we decided to get our, our favorite uh, duos of Star Wars. Uh, do we have some honorable mentions first? We do have some honorable mentions. So the number one honorable mention is it's pretty obvious. Yeah, it, it would almost be unfair to include them. So we basically went through every Star Wars film and we decided our what was probably the strongest or the most important duo for either the story or just what was seen. Right. And so R2 and 3PO, they're together forever and always. Yeah. And when, you know, in every George Lucas Star Wars movie, they're in every one. Mm-hmm. And the streak was kept alive through Rogue One. Mm-hmm. It didn't make sense to have them in Solo. And I appreciate that they didn't force it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but episodes one through nine, they're in all of them, mm-hmm. and they're in Rogue One. Uh, and so, so far, I guess that's uh, 10 out of 11 movies yeah. that they're in so far. It would just um, be an unfair advantage to them yeah. to include them with the rest. It would be wrong. And, yeah. uh, you know, when you look at Star Wars advertising, a lot of times they're the two that everyone kind of knows who they are, yeah. you know. Uh, so they're there. And then we had a couple, uh, actually couple of pairs of bounty hunters that made the cut for honorable mentions, uh, but not so special that they would stand out that far. So one of those would have been Forlom and Zuckus. Uh, You see them in Empire. They're part of the lineup on the Star Destroyer, Mm -hmm. which would have been Vader's Star Destroyer, which would have been the Executrix, I believe. I think it's just Executor. Okay. But the weird thing to me is I wonder, I've always wondered this, they kind of get lumped together. Oh, you know what? Uh, Tarkin. His, his is the executrix. Oh, there you go. Um, you have Forlom and Zuckus that are often lumped together. Mm-hmm. And in short stories for since forever, they've been, here's two characters. Um, but I wonder if that started because of the mislabeling of the toys back in the day. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, because I, if you guys don't know, when the action figures for Forlom and Zuckus came out, you know, the original, original ones, yeah. they were mislabeled. So Forlom was Zuckus and Zuckus Forlom. Right. Uh, and and there guess... are people to this day that'll be like, no. <clears throat> uh, and so I wonder I refer if... you to the original packaging. Right. They have it in like an acrylic case. Uh, I wonder nuts. if that's the the reason that they're kind of lumped together still is because they always have that weird tie. Well, and now, there's that. And now we have the official these... story right. from, from a certain point of view for Empire's 40th anniversary. And they were in Tales of the Bounty Hunters back in the day, mm-hmm. in the 90s. Uh, I would like to say in the Bounty Hunter Wars... Uh, Forlom was not really in it, but Zuckus played a pretty big part and was actually a partner with Boba Fett for a little bit. Yeah. Uh, That's the interesting so, thing about bounty hunters in particular in this very, in the discussion that we're having right now is that, um, you see a lot of them work together, but their partnerships are so fickle. Right. Um, it's, you know, it's like any partnership that anybody would have with, uh, with Moff Gideon where he says, I can guarantee you this one thing. And it'll be that I will act in my own best interest. I like that he was up front with that. Yeah. Because everybody else really feels that way. Yeah. He's just the one telling us about it. Yeah. Uh, so Forlom and Zuckus are our first honorable mention. Uh, I guess second, but mm-hmm. the to me, R2 and C-3PO <clears throat> weren't even a honorable mention. They're just kind of the picture boys of Star yeah. Wars duos. Uh, so Forlom and Zuckus, and then There's one yours. that I just wanted to have because I wanted to have it. Yeah. Uh... I wanted to have Embo and his Anuba mm-hmm. Maroc. Yep. Very good team. and uh, A bounty hunter's best friend. Bounty hunter's best friend is an Anuba. 
Yep. Uh, so pretty cool. So well trained. You can tell they spend a lot of time together. All yeah. Ambo has to do is snap, and the dog knows exactly what he wants. It also stinks because um, we know for a fact that Embo survived past the reign of the Empire yeah. into that Aftermath trilogy. Um, Who knows how long an Anuba lives for, though? But, it, yeah, the Anuba wasn't there. And Who they, knows how long it lives for, though? Well, Dave Filoni said. Well, he went to a nice farm. And he's <laughs> helping people raise space chickens. Right. All right. He's out That's there. We the don't know. That's the story uh, I'm sticking with. But interestingly enough, uh, Dingar and Embo teamed up mm. at that point, which I think that could be a pretty pretty good partnership. Neither one of them <clears throat> is like the backstabby kind of guy. I don't know. Dingar is a little bit, but Embo, I think, would be a good partner for anybody. Yeah. Well, I think Embo would be a good partner, and I think that Dingar... Uh, respects Embo. I think Dengar's the kind of guy that will stab you in the back if he's afraid that you will, so he'll get you first. Yeah. But I think when you're working with Embo, like you said, you know what you're yeah, working he's, with. Yeah, he's got a, a pretty resilient code of honor, it mm -hmm. seems. Uh, so, here's what we're going to do. You kind of mentioned this earlier, but we broke down every episode. Yeah. One through nine, and also somewhere in the middle there is Rogue One and Solo. And we picked... Right in the middle. Yeah, exactly in the middle. Uh, uh, we picked our favorite uh, duos from there. Yeah, either our favorite or one that is the, the most, most prominent cohesive, or works best together. Most important to the story. Right, <clears throat> and then we also went through and we got um, we got characters and duos from the Clone Wars and from Rebels yeah, and from the Mandalorian, and we didn't get any from Resistance because. There's not really necessarily a big duo in that one. It's, uh, I guess, Kaz, who's the main character. And uh, I can't remember that character's name. He's kind of like the silly, the sillier character. Um, I guess they're friends. But there's not really a group. I guess Kaz and, like, BB-8 could be it because BB-8's in the show and they work together. Uh, but we really focused on those other shows. Yeah. So, getting right down to the nitty-gritty. Right. Episode 1, if you didn't guess it. What are we going to say? I'm upset. But it's Boss Nass and Jar Jar. <laughs> <laughs> Captain Tarful? Oh, Captain Tarples? Oh, yeah, Tarples. Yeah. Uh, so. What are you doing back, Jar Jar? You sign big doo doo this time. I only taught you a 10 foot pole. <laughs> oh, wow. He went full on Asian there. <laughs> I don't know. There's somewhere in the middle. I got a. He has a cool a little mustache, though. Yeah, the. What the do you call catfish tendrils, I guess. Hey, so what's his the deal is, with that? Why know, does, his accent's different, though. Yeah, right? it is. Yeah, it is. You shall stop there. Why does he... Almost a Noimodian in yeah. comparison to Jar Jar. That's where I felt like I was going. That's why I stopped. Why do you feel like he has those little catfish tails, but almost no other Gungans do? Are you really going to point that out, and you're not going to talk about how Boss Nass is a completely other species? <laughs> He's so fat, his whole mouth fell off. Dude. Yeah, he has no bill. He has no bill at it's all, It's just dude. part of his face. He became a dinosaur's character. Bum, 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 dun, 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 dun. All right, uh, it's, it's quite gone in Obi Wan. <laughs> we're gonna go forever. Unlike us, the negotiations Dude, were short. I would say though that arguably the best duo are the Pod Racer announcers, who are literally joined at the neck. <laughs> yeah, uh, but Qui Gon and Obi Wan, you have a great dynamic uh, that it took a, a lifetime to develop. Yeah, I think that's one of the coolest things about their partnership is that... It wasn't natural. It wasn't natural. Yeah. And I think that that's one of the strongest types of partnerships is that... When it's earned. It was intentionally worked towards. So if you haven't um, already, I highly recommend reading Master and Apprentice. 
Yes. Uh, it's one of the best Star Wars novels that I've read under the new canon. Yep. And um, it's really cool because you start to see the development of their relationship. Absolutely. And you see, um, you know, it's not, it wasn't natural and it wasn't easy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Obi-Wan wanted other masters or or Obi-Wan met previous, uh, uh, you know, he meets like real Avaros. And he's like, this guy's yeah. freaking cool. Why can't I be this guy's apprentice? Yeah. Well, when um, he had... Uh, just he struggled figuring out how Dooku would have been the master to both Qui Gon and Rail, and mm-hmm. still had a good relationship with both of them, or you yeah. know finding ways to communicate or just to interpret things in general. It really is sad how <clears throat> great of a Jedi Dooku was before his fall. Yeah, um, to see how great of a teacher he was, because because Rail Avaros and Qui Gon Jinn were both fantastic Jedi mm-hmm. by the time everything was said and done. Well, yeah, or they're good men. <laughs> Really it was a terrible Jedi. Okay, but he and was a good Qui-Gon, man. Qui-Gon, according to the standards of the popular Okay, Jedi they would have been good Jedi under Luke's tutelage. Yeah, let's say it that way. Which is the better tutelage? As far as... Like, Luke's Jedi Order is is more complete as far as following the Force and less political and things I like that. I can get behind that. I can get behind that. You know that. what I'm saying? Yeah, for sure. Uh, okay. A great, a great partnership. Yeah. Uh, they were successful. They brought out the best of each other, and I think that's what's yeah. the most important thing of any partnership. Mm-hmm. And I think that there was a... Qui-Gon has an amazing ability to respect an individual, even if he's you know, obviously in charge of them or older Mm -hmm. than them or wiser than them. Uh, And I think that you really start to see that shine through Obi-Wan's personality. Yeah. Because it's funny, Obi-Wan seems like kind of like a hotshot, you know, wants to be an ace pilot, wants to be all these other things. Uh, All the things that we see Anakin become. Yeah. Obi-Wan has little traces of that. Yeah. And I think his his attachment and relationship to Qui-Gon matures him out of those things. Yeah, I think that's part of the exasperation that he has with Anakin as well, moving forward. Oh my god, is this a turkey feather? No, it looks like a... Looks <laughs> no, like just down. kidding. Where is that guy? What, if he's just looking through the roof at us? Dude, uh, I'd be terrified. That'd be like the real-life version to me. He's, a, I mean, he's a direct descendant of a T-Rex, so oh, yeah. it's Jurassic Park up in this mug. With a nasty little whatever that is on yeah. his face. Okay, so uh, episode two... This so, is a fun one. Episode two, you would think that it would be Anakin and Obi-Wan, but you'd be wrong. Yeah, you'd be wrong. Because if you go back and watch episode two, uh, they you hate can each t- other. Yeah, you can tell that Obi-Wan pretty much wants to slaughter Anakin at any given time. And Anakin wants to slaughter everyone else. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Literally any interaction. Yeah. Uh, I didn't catch it as a kid because I was used to people talking to me like I was an idiot because that's how people talk to kids for some reason. But uh, Oh, dude, the whole time it's like... Even even when he's successful, yes, he's I was like, gonna say, "Good shot, my young Padawan," yeah. aka, "Nice job this one time, dum dum." Yeah, you know, good pretty, job, stupid. Pretty good decision for a moron. Yeah, you're pretty fly for a white guy. <laughs> it's like you know what I mean. Yeah, it's like you're hitting your ceiling, which is my floor. You bum. Yeah. Uh, so Anakin, Obi Wan, and you really only see him work together for I don't know the first fifth of the movie. In, Which is in, a constant argument. Yeah. And then towards the end, it's a constant argument that and costs both of Anakin them an end up mostly dead. Yeah. I'm taking him now. And no. Dooku's like, <laughs> gives him the space base. Gives, uh, him, gives him the business. So the episode two duo is actually... Django and Boba. Django and Boba Fett. Yeah. And uh, it's I feel the like beginning. it's appropriate. It's, it's, it's me and me. We'd yeah. make a great partner. Ship. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, it's cool because you have... Um, you get the most laughs out of them. You get a good couple of... 
Yeah, if I had a miniature get me, a strong, he would yep. think I was the funniest person in the world. Yeah, yeah. You you Won't get to see him again. It's the first. <laughs> it's the first time seeing them work together. Obviously, yeah. Bob was about ten years old by then. And the last. Um. Yeah. R.I.P. Uh. But worst. It's, bring your son to work day of all time, dude. Bring your son to work day and leave without your head. Um. Ugh. Bring your son to work. Bring your dad home from work. Yee. Uh, so, but they have a, an awesome bond and we've obviously seen that translate into how Boba carries himself in the Clone Wars yes. and even into the Mandalorian, which is like freaking 40 years later. Yeah. I think that that's one of the coolest things about seeing Boba and getting to have a little bit of dialogue and seeing what really makes him tick as a character and seeing how influential his father was yeah. in his life, you know, because he was young, but he really set Boba on the path that he was on for the rest of his life. Mm -hmm. I also like how in the Mandalorian, uh, finale, of season two, how when it matters to Boba for someone like the Mandalorian to understand, mm -hmm. he's willing to open up a little bit and go, I want you to look at this and yeah. show him the chain code. When Bo-Katan's like, you know, you're a fake. I think it's cool that he has spent enough time building who he is on the inside and confidence that mm -hmm. he's he's not going to let you walk over him. Yeah. You know, easy princess. But he's... He doesn't feel like he has to be like, no! Yeah, like, he, was, he, was he was very defensive in the Clone Wars. Yeah. Uh, but I think he's like... Well, he's also like... 12 years old, 13 years old. I'm not your brother. I'm Daniel Logan. Uh, so Jango I've got long hair, you've got short hair. We're different. <laughs> Jango and Boba Fett uh, are the duo, great father-son team. Yeah. Uh, cute little play date there in the asteroid field trying to kill a Jedi. Yeah. Um, Memories. It was also cool that there's that one part that we glance over many times, but there's that one moment on the fight scene on Kamino where Django and Bob or Django and Obi Wan are neck and neck, and Boba just opens up with those Slave One cannons yeah. and really gives Obi Wan the business. So very cool team. Absolutely. Episode three. <clears throat> this one's obvious. This one's got to be the obvious pick. So it's the the beautiful, you know, maturation. It's yeah. hit its pinnacle. I think this the one brotherhood is, of it's cool Anakin that, and Obi Wan. Yeah, Obi Wan found his stride as the master, where Qui Gon found. You know, mm -hmm. his stride is the master and yeah. they learn to appreciate each other. And it's funny because it's really their partnership only became good once it wasn't forced. Right. You know what I mean? Like once they were able to kind of be more peers than, you know, peer and superior, even though Obi-Wan at this point is the Jedi master and has yeah. some sort of influence. I think it's interesting also that maybe for Anakin, the partnership matured and hit its peak when the Clone Wars erupted and he had to work with other Jedi and he realized... Obi-Wan's the cream of the crop. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, maybe that and the fact that um, he was able to kind of express himself a little bit more in having responsibility as a leader. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think, especially as somebody who, um, even though I'm, I'm relatively young myself, has been responsible for kind of shaping a lot of people younger than me. Mm -hmm. um, if there's a, a really stressful one, sometimes if you give them responsibility or leadership, that really brings they those... buy-in. Yeah, it brings those strong traits out of them. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so, Obi-Wan and Anakin, you know, for instance, when, when Anakin, you know, you see a side of him right before he turns, mm -hmm. but you really just see, get to see his heart whenever he says, you know, hey, I'm sorry for speaking out. I'm just so frustrated with yeah. the council lately, and 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 Obi-Wan opens back up mm -hmm. to Anakin and says, you know, you're so wise, you're so powerful. You'll be a gr far greater jet than I could ever hope to be. Mm -hmm. Your time will come. Just be patient. Yeah. And he says, may the force be with you. And then Obi-Wan says, uh, goodbye, old friend. Yeah. You know, it's just there's a very beautiful thing there where. Yeah, well, it's cool because you see Anakin 
starting to get a little bit of security and a little bit of trust towards Obi-Wan, but you also see that Obi-Wan's mature enough now to admit um, kind of the discussion that Luke has with uh, Yoda mm-hmm. in The Last Jedi where he says, or Yoda says, you know, the burden of every master is watching his students surpass him. Mm-hmm. You know, that Obi-Wan's It's your kind job. Of, yeah, that Obi-Wan's reached that point where he's okay with it. You know, that he's, yeah. he's reached where he's supposed to be and he's content. Yep. Um, Solo, a Star Wars story. Um, this one actually has more probably, than once. You'll probably never guess this one. It's Han Solo and Chewbacca. Han Solo and Chewbacca, the main character and the second main character. Yeah. Uh, I would say that uh, Beckett and Solo is a cool duo as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of an interesting... I wish that the movie could have been longer or maybe focused um, on that relationship a little bit more. I know that they had to set up the whole Corellia thing. So there were parts of the movie that needed to happen, but there was so much going on where it's like, let's include Lando, let's include L3, let's go to... There's so much going on where they could have um, built up Beckett and um, and Han's relationship a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, but Han and Chewie uh, fighting to the death, making a plan, yeah. escaping, and then just from then on, literally showering together. <laughs> uh, so a really strong bond. And... Um, you know, you really owe Chewie for this, the, how great this relationship ends up being. Yeah. Um, I think part of that is that, um, I don't know, Chewie's like the professional sidekick in a way that he's had so much time to mature because he, for the most part, is pretty pretty much older than anybody he's around at any given that's time. That's true, that's true. And so he's He just, is mature. He's 200 years old. Yeah, he's just had that time to, he's a fine wine man, mm-hmm. you know, and he's just there to make things happen. Yeah. He's got a cool head. Mm-hmm. Um, in all situations and, uh, except when he doesn't, yeah, like when an alarm won't stop blaring. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah so you put though. Han in carbonite or you do loud noises around Chewbacca and he just loses his crap. Loud noises! Uh, but yeah, Han and Chewie, it's, it's, uh, as Timon says in Lion King one and a half, the beginning of a beautiful acquaintanceship. Uh, so really cool to see. I love that moment where it's classic Han and Chewie where uh, Chewie steps into the shower, no personal space. And then after that, they're on uh, they're on the lowered kind of walkway. Well, what, is Han, or what does Chewie have to be ashamed of? Yeah, nothing. He's literally never naked. Yeah. He's a never nude, like Tobias from... Arrested Development. <laughs> I never if you, knew. If you shaved off Chewbacca's fur, there'd be a pair of jean cutoffs. <laughs> <laughs> he just walks in there, and then it's funny because right after that, they're hanging out outside, and you know, they just hit it off, and he's like, "So what's your name?" And he's like, "Well, we're gonna, I'm gonna call you Chewy because I'm not saying all that." <laughs> it's just it's funny because they just really hit it off there. Yeah. Uh, so it's cool to see that. I also backstory. like the the line, getting waited. Yeah, couldn't have we couldn't have done this. I don't know, one at a time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, so after Solo, you have Rogue One, and uh, Rogue One was pretty cut and dry for us. Yeah. Uh, it's the only your favorite, maybe. Well, R two or K two. Uh, you kind of got to give it to R two. Yeah, he's just he's the OG. But I think as a personality goes, I think K two might be my favorite droid. So. I'll um, let you handle this one. Yeah, so K2 and Cassian, you kind of have to give it to them. They're the only established partnership. Um, they die within minutes of each other, so that's sweet. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's really, they work together from the beginning to the end. And I think that's really the only partnership that you see where they're 
you know, for the whole movie on each other's team. They've got an established history, and they're just doing whatever it takes to make things happen. Can we also talk about how Cassian needs to get a fighting contract with the UFC immediately for being able to not get knocked the freak out by that backhand from K2SO? <laughs> When they're on Jeddah, there's and a he's, fresh one where that came from. Yeah, there's a fresh one if you mouth off again. Dude, he gives him a that's a it's a solid metal hand. <laughs> dude, dude. And he gives him a strong backhand. He's probably seven and a half feet tall. Dude. So upward angled down across the cheek. For real though. Well, and let's talk about That would break your orbital. <laughs> How freaking uh Oh my god. Jin takes that stiff arm from him. You know, he clotheslines her as she's walking out. Oh of the, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're being rescued. Do not resist. Yeah, Cassian and K2, they have a beautiful... I, I love that Cassian is so guarded. Mm -hmm. And K2SO, it's literally impossible for him to be... How come she gets a gun and I don't? <laughs> like, right off the bat. And Cassian is that guy that he just bottles everything up, bottles... And then yeah. all of a sudden, it's since he was six years old. Yeah. Um, In the words of John Mulaney, I'll just bottle all my emotions right here. <laughs> and then one day, I'll die. <laughs> There's not even a middle where it explodes. No. You just keep it forever and then forever die. And then you die. Uh, so Cassian and K2 really, really balance each other out. And, um, you know, in all honesty, when it comes to the the new series that are coming out with the Obi-Wan series, Boba Fett series, and the Acolyte and Rogue Squadron movie, and all these other things that are coming out, I'm probably, I'm still excited, but I'm the least excited for the Cassian show. Mm -hmm. But I. It makes me remember that we're going to get K2. We're going to get some more K2. And uh, and also, I'm always there for more Imperials, well, which means you know more what? troopers, which means more figures, and also maybe bounty hunters. I never really cared for Dooku, even after having watched Clone Wars, until sure. I got to read Dooku Jedi Lost, and I got to see some of what makes him tick. And I think right. that always gives me more respect for any character. Yeah. So um, even though Cassian wasn't necessarily like my favorite, you know, I did not like him, but I yeah. wasn't naturally like, oh, I love this guy, you know? Yeah. It'll be cool for me to be able to kind of fill in the gaps and see what really makes him who he is. Definitely. It's hard when you're on screen with someone like Krennic, who's such a large personality. Yeah. Or, and K2, you know, you're going to have... And then you have Tarkin and Vader in yeah, the mix. exactly. It's just such a big cast. Mm -hmm. um, okay, so that takes us back to the Saga films. Episode 4, this is a repeater, uh, but Han and Chewie... Yeah, what are you going to do about it? We were considering Luke and Obi-Wan. Yeah. And I think that ends up being a really, really big deal. Mm -hmm. But specifically in that movie, uh, Han and Chewie have the strongest partnership because it's been Absolutely. established for 10 years. Uh, but we do want to give a shout out to Obi-Wan and, and Luke because um, it's kind of crazy. It's a one-sided partnership for 20 years. Yeah. Obi-Wan has all this investment and does it, he can't show that. Mm -hmm. Even, I mean, imagine even if once he meets Luke, he can't be like, thank God I've waited 20 years You're for right. this. You know what I mean? So that's a, it's an interesting partnership that I think you really start to see bloom in episodes five and six. And then even into the time after Return of the Jedi, when Obi-Wan is still mentoring Luke through the force. Yeah. Um, I and think you, another... you can't overshadow the whole use the force blows up the first Death Star. Absolutely. And I think another um, important partnership that goes through the original trilogy that uh, you kind of get neglected because of the nature of the relationship, but uh, Palpatine and Vader. Dude. A powerhouse. Yeah. You know? Um, you, and then you have, you know, other miniature partnerships that aren't as well explored in the films like uh, Vader and Tarkin. You know, they work pretty well Vader together. Vader and Tarkin have a great partnership and a mutual respect. Yeah. Um, and Vader and really, Boba Fett have a, a great respect for one another. Yeah. I think that just speaks to the quality of the type of individuals that both Tarkin and Boba Fett are that 
if you have somebody as exacting and as um, mm -hmm. critical as Vader would be. Or mm -hmm. even Palpatine, that Palpatine would go through the great lengths to get Vader to work with them. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? That they've basically, the most powerful person in the galaxy has recognized their value. You know, what yeah. I mean? that's, that's not anything to look upon lightly. Yeah. And I, if you're if you're listening or watching this and you're thinking, well, we only get to see Vader and Palpatine together in a set for two seconds in Return of the Jedi mm -hmm. and then Vader turns on him. Uh, if you're a reader or an audiobook person, yeah. Lords of the Sith. It's fantastic. I believe that's by Paul S. Kemp. I think that's right. Um, but that's a really great book. And without getting like too crazy into it. It, well, it's cool because it's going to explore some things you're familiar with. So it's going to be like the beginning of the rebellion. Part of the Clone Wars is spent on Ryloth, right? Um, with the Twi'leks, and yep. so that's where if you're a Rebels fan, Hera's dad, Jam yep. Syndulla, that's where he is. So he's going to be in that novel. There's going to be a connection to what you're familiar with. There's going to be uh, Vader. There's going to be Palpatine, and it's really just about um, kind of Palpatine and Vader being forced to get their hands dirty in the war, so mm -hmm. you get to see them in action. Yeah, you get to see. People know what Vader's capable of, mm -hmm. but so many people across the galaxy, tr literally trillions of people, think that Palpatine is just a politician mm -hmm. and a fragile old man who an attack on his life left him scarred into form 20 <laughs> years ago. And there's this moment, without getting too spoilery, mm -hmm. where the Emperor just does some stuff. There's and a couple of those moments where even Vader is feeling pretty taxed mm -hmm. and Palpatine's just there, like, kind of cackling. The Fresh whole time. as a daisy. Yeah. And uh, it's interesting because. In those moments, uh, it's cool because everyone, even on their side, has to die mm -hmm. except for the Royal Guards. Yeah. So you get a cool little miniature glimpse of the Royal Guards really know what the freak is up. Yeah. They really know what's going down. Well, there's that. And then I think even Star Wars art or, uh, authors feel the need to maintain some of Palpatine's mystique in that. And I appreciate his, that. His power and what he is really capable of or what he's truly thinking, a lot of the time it's still very guarded. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this is that's one of the what best inside looks we have. That book, and that's what made um, the short story based on Palpatine and from a certain point of view, uh, Disturbance. Yeah. That's what made those two stories so powerful was really those are the only things besides Plagueis, which doesn't really count anymore. Mm -hmm. Those are the two biggest insights into how does this guy work? Mm -hmm. And dude, he's playing like, you know how organs have different levels? <laughs> he's playing organ levels of chess and everybody else is playing Connect Four. Right. And I really do think that Palpatine will do, eventually we'll do a whole episode about Palps because he is so, even though we know he's powerful, as a character, he is so underrated by Star Wars fans. I, I agree. I agree. So, but anyway, so those are you know some of our more honorable mentions towards the original trilogy. But in episode four, Han and we Chewie. focused on Han and Chewie. Episode five, this is kind of an interesting one. Yeah. Um, we could have gone Han and Chewie again. Mm -hmm. uh, we could have gone Han and Leia. Yeah. We could have gone. I fought a little bit for Boba Fett and Darth Vader because <laughs> ultimately they do win that second half of that movie. But the most yeah. important partnership. Yeah, by far and away the most important partnership here is. Um, is Luke and Yoda. Yep. And I think it's also important worth noting that we had explored the Luke and Obi-Wan partnership for mm -hmm. Star Wars, the original, and then uh, it was really that relationship that began the catalyst for this relationship that right. he would be um, the reason that Yoda would be able to get in contact with Luke because Yoda was so cut off for the most part that it really took that middle person who's able to kind of manipulate and mm. discuss things without making yeah. waves in the living force. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so 
Luke and Yoda have a very strong partnership, and it's it's very much in its infancy whenever we, we have them in Episode 5, but it's so... You have Luke, who is a lot like Anakin, mm-hmm. and he just is in such a rush, not just to help Han and Leia, but just in life. Mm-hmm. Everything needs to happen right now. Um, kind of like what we see a little bit of Ezra Bridger, like mm-hmm. that in Rebels. Um, right. But Yoda is so... Not at first, mm-hmm. but he grows to be so patient with Luke. And um, when you see that, you can kind of get this sense from the movie if you read into it a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and in, even though we're trying to rank based on just the movies themselves, it's really hard to kind of separate the knowledge that you have from the books. Right. Um, but I think it's very cool that not only does Luke learn a lot from his relationship with Yoda, but Yoda learns still even more from his relationship with Luke. That, yeah, yeah. Um, he learns patience towards Luke when he starts to see that there are things that Anakin would have been very frustrated by that Luke still had patience for. Or right. that Luke, even though he was very much Anakin's son, still retains some of his mom's characteristics of diplomacy and um, certainly not as much as Leia, but there was something in him that The ability to, to listen and to hear and to... And to wait, mm-hmm. um, which is, it's crazy because uh, Padme would have made a far greater Jedi than Anakin as far as just... Um, her dedication. Her dedication <laughs> and her, just like who she, not midichlorians, obviously, right. but like give them the equal amount of power. And Padme has the the temperament, I guess is yeah. the word I was looking for. And he, Yoda really starts to see into, uh, and that's in a certain point of view, one of the mm-hmm. greater stories, is that Yoda really starts to see... The Padme mm-hmm. in Luke that balances out the Anakin and Luke, and maybe yeah. this kid is the hope that we need. And I think this, I think it's cool to explore the importance of the relationship, not just for Luke's sake, mm-hmm. you know, because Yoda is the oldest Jedi we've ever encountered, and everybody thinks of him as the wisest Jedi. And it's cool to see that um, he's become kind of jaded, mm. you know, from being cut off for so long, especially on the tail end of a lot of failure, and uh, you know, he's just tired and. You well, know, we also don't know isolated, it, but we don't know enough about this time span. But we just know specifically already from artwork that Yoda was alive and well and in his prime during the High Republic, mm-hmm. which is called the High Republic for a reason. Yeah. And we know from the prequels that the Jedi are in the middle of whatever is going on with the Republic, mm-hmm. and so because of that. Imagine how much more of a failure. It's not like you were taking. If it's not like you were the coach that was brought in to coach a sucky team, and it keeps sucking, and you're like, I don't know what's wrong. The organization is terrible. Yeah, it's you were handed, you know, the coaching of you know this great team, and over time you saw it decline, and then eventually <laughs> completely collapse, and then you get to sit by yourself and think about it for twenty years. Yep. You know, yeah. no wonder he's jaded. No wonder right. he's frustrated and old but and then cranky. He's kind of like re-given some of his former responsibility and former life in the form of having a new Padawan. Yep. And willing to work, willing yeah, to how important to that is relearn. It's funny because he tells Luke, you must unlearn what you have learned. Mm-hmm. But there's part of me that really does feel like he's talking to himself at the same mm-hmm. time. Um and uh it's interesting though because at the end of the day, again, Luke by the end of Jedi is still the the more complete Jedi as far as his connection to the Force yeah. and his willingness to to give instead of take. Well, and I, I heard recently uh, someone had said that there's no zealot like a convert. Hmm. Like, and I, I've said that kind of in about like you know religious exploration that someone who 
uh, is brought over to that religion as an adult is typically more stronger. Um, yeah, who feels more strongly about it or is more vehement or more zealous about those yeah. things because they're conscious willing, decisions. They willing made. to study, willing yeah. to dig into it and not just, well, it's always what I've known. And I think Luke having had that healthy um, ability to explore who he has, who is as an individual and mm. then kind of see the world without um, what Qui-Gon would have described as the blinders of the Jedi being put in the actual center of the galaxy you right. know, and, and thinking right. of the regular folks as the exception. Yeah. Um, I think that's what really enabled him to kind of bring balance to the force and the aspects of um, seeing the force's role in everyday life as opposed to just the kind of getting lost on the details for the sake of the bigger picture that I think right. the Jedi of um, the New Republic or I guess the old New Republic yeah. would have been. Yeah, it's very interesting. Luke is, he hits the sweet spot yeah. there. Uh, so a, a very anyway, powerful we can talk relationship. About that forever. And I want to, I think it would be cool to do a, a Yoda exploration episode a little bit further oh, yeah. down the road once we get some new High Republic material. Yeah, it'll be fun to see kind of full circle of what he looked, you know, his life. Mm -hmm. uh, him and Palpatine seem to be two sides of a coin, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, okay, we're to the last of the original trilogy, episode six. Um, this one might come as a little bit of a surprise, but I think we can justify it. Yeah. Uh, Han and Leia. Han and Leia. Their chemistry and the romance mm -hmm. is probably stronger in Empire Strikes Back, but you really see the, the culmination of their relationship mm -hmm. and come to, to fruition uh, in episode six. Yeah, I, I think it's very much like we've dis discussed in other uh, partnerships in that, um, you know, you see them... Working together, but at odds, where there's still a lot of confrontation up until the point where yeah. they're in Jedi, and they've kind of reunited, and uh, you know, absence makes the heart grow fonder, mm -hmm. and et cetera. It's et funny cetera. because, um, you know, you you also start to see, um, you get to see Leia feeling and acting a little bit more like a scoundrel in Episode Six, mm -hmm. and then you get to see Han have a little bit more of a level head and mm -hmm. they're still true to themselves. Yeah. But it's the, it's the beautiful part of any relationship, whether it's a friend or a spouse or, or a, you know, sibling or whatever mm -hmm. is that a healthy relationship, you still keep your own identity, mm -hmm. but you take on the traits of the other person. Yeah. And that's what really helps you work better together. I think that they're certainly the epitome of, uh, opposites attract. Right. You know what I mean? That they're, they're, <laughs> Han's like, what? It's clean. <laughs> Leia's wearing like a spotless white gown and Han's like... Reminds me of a... Uh, it's a pit stain. Whoop, no big you deal. You watch Brooklyn Nine-Nine? Yeah. So there's an episode where uh, Jake and Amy, they're discussing who's going to move in with who. Mm -hmm. And uh, Jake only has one towel in his apartment. And he's That's like... That's Han Solo. And he, he was like, and it was there when I moved in. Aww. And she tried to set it on fire and she's like, why won't it light? And he's like, because it never fully dries. <laughs> It's kind of like that. Absolutely, Han Solo. Um, uh, there's a, there's a. I mean, you live with a Wookiee, you're gonna have some. Uh, you're gonna pick up Wookiee tendencies. Yeah, you're gonna. You're gonna cleanliness is gonna be a little. You're less... probably gonna get out of the shower, do one of these, and go about your day. <laughs> uh, it's funny also because there's um, in that book, uh, Last Shot by Daniel Jose Older, that kind of goes back and forth in different parts of the timeline. One of the parts of the timeline is uh, newly married Han and Leia, and uh, freshly out of the womb Ben Solo. And Lando's coming around, and uh, you have Han, who's like, he's trying to turn on a movie for Kai or for Ben, but Ben won't like stop fussing, and so he's like, 
Like, are you going to help me with, you know, and, and so she's, you know, obviously she's always like ready to perform. She's, you know, got all mm -hmm. her crap together. And then there's one point where Lando's like, here's a birthday present for Ben. And it's a freaking blaster. And I can't remember, I think it's their nurse story. It's like, this is not a suitable present for a young, you know, a young child. And yeah. Lando's like, give it to him later. Uh, it's just so funny to, it's such a dude and his friend, like yeah. trying to raise a kid. Uh, but cool story. Ben. The, uh. The gun that Lando gives him is yeah. the gun that Ben is using at the end of Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, that was so a cool confirmation. Fun. Yeah, I remember really you were cool. very excited to find that out. I was like, he's got the gun! Which, he's got a gun! You know, Hasbro, come on. Yeah, that'd be very cool. Vintage collection. But yeah, I think it's uh, certainly a, a duo worth exploring and one that I think maybe doesn't really get enough love. Um, especially when we look at... They're kind of together, but kind of not in the sequel trilogy. Mm -hmm. um, I I think because most of the focus for George Lucas, for sure, and then I think for the viewer, most of the time is going to be on the uh, Vader-Luke duo, which yeah. we've also thought about. Yeah. But, that, I mean, that's the relationship that's been we're working towards, that, especially after the bombshell and Empire. Mm -hmm. And I think it's very easy to ignore how well Luke or Han and Leia work together on Endor itself. Yeah, it's, on the, on the when you really think about that, they cannot work together at all mm -hmm. in A New Hope. And in Empire, they're only working together because Hoth is falling down yeah. around them. And Han's like, let's go, and just drags yeah. on to Millennium Falcon. And they happen to work together yeah. um, until Han gets put into a deep freeze and you know all this other stuff. Yeah. And it seems like Jedi is the one where it's like, we're working together. Mm -hmm. We know we care for one another. Let's, let's just open up about that and let's just be honest with one another and uh and you can see how much of a powerhouse they are and there's that moment where you know han's usually the one that's like gotcha it's a second blaster mm -hmm. and there's that moment on indoor where they're at the shield gate and they're trying to break in to take down the shield and they're dead to rights and han's like this and leia has an extra gun and he says, I love you. Mm -hmm. And she's like, I know. And it's like, aha! Yeah. You know, like it's that beautiful, like I was saying earlier, where they've taken parts of, yeah. of one another. So that's I a really cool moment. I think it's funny that um, in, man, it all bleeds together because it's written so tight knit. But the Heir to the Empire series, when Han thinks he might lose Leia, and uh, Tim Zahn's kind of exploring how much that moment really made him realize how much he loved her that, you know, that there were things that she was really right. capable of and that, you know, that that was just one of the critical moments in that yeah. exploration of that partnership as well. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool moment. All right. Moving right along to the sequel trilogy. All right. A lot of Ray. All right. So just buckle down. Just stick with us here. I like Ray. I'm just saying for those of you who are haters at home, let's just be honest with ourselves. Ray gets around in the sequel trilogy. <laughs> Try and fault as far my as logic. friendships go, okay. Uh, okay. Another thing. And uh, so, episode se episode seven, the strongest uh, partnership and the f the funnest partnership. I thought this was a very fun partnership, friendship, love, whatever you want to call it. Um, uh, Ray and Finn. Uh, yeah. Stop taking my hand. Yeah. Uh, that was. I thought that was really funny. Racist. And uh, so. Um. Ray and Finn work together really well, and they both have this mysteriousness where they don't really know what the past really holds. They know that they've been wherever they've been for as long as they can remember, but there's something right bef 
on the cusp of their yeah. mind before that that they don't know what it is, but they both know that there's something greater out there. Yeah, the natural fellowship of uh, the ring, orphans. Yeah, yeah. There's a there's a kinship there. Like, where like it's... Mike, all the orphans they work so well together. Yeah, and it's interesting because now we know in retrospect that... or Han and Luke. Yeah, yeah, very much. I think now in and retrospect Leia? we know that Chewie maybe. Mm. Obi Wan, all the Jedi. <laughs> They're not orphans, though. Uh, in spirit, uh, I think that in retrospect, we realize now that Rey has such a strong pull to the Force, and we think, you know, now Finn also has that feeling. Well, especially watching when we were watching anybody really who was excited for the Force Awakens mm-hmm. to come out when they were watching. We really it felt like time. Finn was the Jedi. That's how it was shaped, man. And I, br- I feel like I bring it up a lot, but it's worth remembering that it was very much skewed to intentionally make it look like Finn was the Force-sensitive one. Yep, totally. And what's kind of sad is that John Boyega recently had an, uh, an interview where he said he felt like maybe he was used as like, a, you know, maybe bring in the race thing into it or bring in... You know, where it's like, hey, look at this. It's something new and different. Mm -hmm. And then they didn't really explore it. And I think part of that is, you know, I think J.J. Abrams did a great job and I loved episode seven. But I think, and this is something that we've talked about before, but J.J. does such a great job of setting you up Mm -hmm. and being like, here's some cool ideas. But he, I feel like he's like, this is my job. My job's not episode eight. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? And so Finn, I think Finn really of any character got the short end of the stick when it came to the sequel trilogy falling off after the force awakens uh because me personally a lot of people prefer poe to finn but i prefer finn actually i really like john boyega i loved um and maybe part of that was john's energy leading up to the force awakens because he felt like i was watching a normal dude geek out over getting to be in star wars and i feel like as of now as just a person, especially towards Star Wars, I feel like he's a little jaded, and that makes me sad. And I feel mm. like he got the short end of the stick. I would have loved, um, you know, was it cool to see Kylo come back to the light? Absolutely. And I was in love with that character, and Adam Driver did an amazing job, and I'm glad that he's not in, I don't know, I guess I'm thinking in real-world terms, so I'm like, I don't want him to go to hell, you know? Uh, but I guess it would have been cool to see... Ray and Finn grow together in the Force if Ray was going to be a Force user anyway. Yeah. It would have been really cool for them to grow together and take on the supervillain Kylo Ren. Yeah, I think the only problem with that would have been it would have been like too much coincidence for such, you know what I mean? Like people were already pissed off about Ray being powerful enough in the Mm -hmm. Force to do that kind of stuff. Now we have two people that just happen to both be on Jakku that both happen to be like sleeper agents for the light side of the force you know what i mean yeah but i mean if you think about it i think one we live in the internet age where everybody complains about everything right like what is the percentage chance and i'm not saying that would be my point right. of view yeah, I'm yeah, just yeah, saying yeah, that, I that would be the obvious flaw yeah i guess i'm i'm being the challenger of that point of view and being the devil's advocate of uh pretty freaking crazy that they landed on tatooine in episode one and met anakin you know what i mean right uh but i thought ray and finn were a great pair and i wish we could have gotten more of them like we saw them in episode seven. Uh, episode eight. Uh, this one actually starts pretty early in the movie. Uh, you've got General Hux and his mother. And his mother-in-law. <laughs> no, uh, General Hugs from his mom. No, uh, so that was kind of a joke. But Ironic that you make that joke seeing as how much you hate that joke. 
I do dislike that joke, but I thought it would be funny to make on the air. Um, but really, the partnership that really grows the most here, uh, I would say, is Luke and Ray. Yeah, and I think it's interesting that we would be able to discuss this partnership in the middle film of this trilogy and how important Ray was for bringing Luke back around after his yeah, yeah. as a Jedi, where Luke was that same important person for Yoda. Absolutely. Um, but definitely an important partnership. It's the one that really... Everybody, everybody only cared about this leading into the Force Awakens, you know. But right. we only got a little tidbit of it, and then you know it finally came around for the Force Awakens or uh, the Last Jedi. Mm-hmm. And I think it was just one that everybody was so freaking excited to finally see Luke again, and dude, for um, real. to see him as a master Jedi, um, and to really see him finally at the very end come into his own as far as. Mm-hmm. Um, his mental state being kind of closer to where it needed to be. Mm-hmm. It does make me sad. Um, for instance, seeing the Mandalorian mm-hmm. finale and seeing how powerful Luke was in the force. I feel like I don't want anybody to retcon the sequels. I don't want to, there's, you start to inflate the value of the movies when you do that, you know, mm-hmm. like um, when you talk about, Hey, do you, have you ever seen the incredible Hulk? And everybody's like, which one? The good one or the bad one? The one with the dogs? Like, you know, and, and it's because it's that franchise, Marvel, uh, even before Disney was willing to be like, you know, all right, let's redo it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, and it's part one of that, thing if you do it all the time. The like, convenience of that is that there's a multiverse, so they could just say it's a different one. Right, you know right, I mean? right. Star Wars can't afford that. It, feel, it would feel cheap if they mm-hmm. started to be like, no, this is a different Luke. <laughs> yeah. Um, but... I was listening to, uh, I was fixing my Christmas lights the other day, and I was listening to a Legacy of the Force Mm -hmm. novel, and uh, there's a bad character that does something similar to the Force projection that Luke does. And I understand that the greater distance probably causes more strain, but this character had like five Force presences Mm -hmm. that they were projecting within, you know, a few acres of space, I would say. And it was like, until the actual individual was attacked... And had to withdraw within themselves and stop the projections. I just feel like there's a gap. And maybe it's because he cut himself off from the Force for a while or something. I still don't feel like, even at the end of The Last Jedi, we got the Luke that I would have liked to have seen. Yeah. The Luke that... Because there's always been the question, even since the 90s, when uh, Tim Zahn's writing the Heir to the Empire series. And we yeah. have uh, Drew Sabayoth, who... Uh, through Captain Pelion, we're wondering, you know, what makes a Master Jedi? You know, what's the mm. difference? How would he be able to assume the title of Master Jedi? And I think that's a question that a lot of people have because even in the prequel trilogy, we didn't have a very clear definition of what it meant to go from Jedi Knight to Jedi Master. Right. We kind of understand that there are trials to right. get to your knighthood, but then between episodes two and three, yeah. even when we had a million hours of Clone Wars, there was never a moment that was like, now you've done this, Obi-Wan, right. and now you're a master. That never happens. And I was really excited for that, and we didn't get it, but that's okay. And um, I think everybody just, there's this sudden, there's this, like with Palpatine, there's this mystique and this expectation that surrounds the title of Master Jedi. And then yeah. I think even one more step above to go to Grand Master Jedi, and that's what we were expecting from Luke. And I, you know what I mean? It was just yeah. kind of like we didn't get the satisfaction of knowing those things. I would have liked to have seen. Luke do all the acrobatics of you can't touch me, you can't touch me, mm-hmm. nah, 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 nah. But then it would have been cool to actually watch him engage Kylo, who mm-hmm. we've seen just destroy folks. And I think that 
And part of this is probably from having different directors that have different ideas and different whatever. Yeah. But it would have been cool to see Kylo be a little bit more violent and give him some scenes. You know, if you give him a scene like we saw Vader do in Rogue One, mm-hmm. then we understand what he's capable of. Even like the Galaxy of Adventures little cartoon mm-hmm. uh, where the guy that does Zuko for Last Airbender is the narrator. is like, in a Galaxy of Adventures, Kylo Ren. Mm-hmm. Uh, it would have been cool to see him really like just cut people down and wade through some folks. And then once he gets to Luke, Luke does, does the dodgeball, you know, mm-hmm. moves. But then is like, okay, let's, let's engage then. Mm-hmm. And it would have been really cool to see him dominate a yeah. character like Kylo Ren, and then if he wants to disappear, that's up. That's his prerogative. He's mm-hmm. the Grandmaster. Yeah. Um, but Luke and Ray, it's really cool because they're so equally beneficial. Yeah. She really benefits him, and he really benefits her as well. Um, so that's Episode Eight. Episode Nine, it's one of my favorites. Yeah, uh, Ray and Kylo, and I think this is the only instance in all of Star Wars where we have the term Force Dyad. Yeah. Um, even between, I don't think we really hear it necessarily tying Palpatine and uh, Vader or Anakin together. We don't hear it with really anybody. Um, so it's important, I think, just for the exploration of the idea of the cosmic and living force to understand what that means. And, uh, you know, it's it's like the, the shared cores between Harry and Voldemort's wands, you know what right, I mean? It's right. just such a rare instance, and I would like to explore that idea more, but for the sake of this unique and incredibly powerful partnership, I don't think it's there's any way to get around the fact that this is the most important duo um, for Episode Nine. Yeah, and I think it's it's very interesting that they're... Kylo's the only character we ever see running from the light, mm-hmm. and we still, even with the rise of Kylo Ren comic, we never understood where that came from. Yeah. By that comic coming out, we've already have an established relationship with Snoke. We already have an established track down to the dark side, mm-hmm. things like that. We still haven't unpacked what Ben saw that made him feel like the dark is the way to go, and it's the only way to make right. things happen. Well, and it's. Like, they're the perfect living partnership of the yin and yang. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? One's the light with yeah, the core Ray of dark. Yeah, Ray really has the pull to the dark. And then one's the dark with the core of light. Yeah. You know? It's really powerful. And I do love that when, you know, Ray chooses, I'm not going to kill you, mm-hmm. but I, I, I'm, not, I'm also going to defend myself. Mm-hmm. And then you have Ben, who is, I'm going to accept who I really am. Mm-hmm. I'm Ben Solo. That's when they're at their strongest. Mm-hmm. And still not strong enough to beat Palpatine. <laughs> uh, he's just a bad mamma jamma. Uh, but Ray and Kylo, very powerful uh, duo. It was really cool because my wife, growing up, her her dad loved Star Wars, uh, but not you know at the level that we love it. And when me and Macy got married, it was like yeah, Star Wars. And then now you know we walk into the the house that we own, and when we bought it, it was a converted garage that she let me have all my Star Wars stuff in. And she walks in, and she's like. There's a lot of things in here. And she really knows how much of a, a deep love I have for it. And I think one of the coolest things about Ray and Ben, Kylo, whatever you want to call him's relationship, was watching her, uh, my wife, develop like, hey, they had to fight for one another. It was mm-hmm. cool to watch her have know, get to have that it. Star Wars experience. Yeah. Uh, so that does it for the official films. And now really quickly we'll move on to Clone Wars, Rebels, and The Mandalorian. How are we on time? Are we okay? We're going a little long. So okay. We'll, we'll kind of cut through these. All right. So Clone Wars, 
you have, we want to do a light side and a dark side. Obi-Wan and Anakin is the obvious choice. Yeah. But we already had that, and yeah. we, we wanted to give some love to a really fan-favorite character that yeah. is a big part of the Star Wars it's story. It's hard to even think about the Clone Wars without acknowledging the importance of the relationship between Anakin and Ahsoka. Absolutely. Um, literally from start to finish, this is pretty much the focus because um, we've talked about it so much today, but the role that an apprentice has in the life of a master... And, um, their, and their maturation. Yeah, it's... it's it, it's impossible to overlook how important that was to the formation of Anakin's character. Yep. So that's a really powerful one. And on the dark side of the coin, mm-hmm. um, only once in the history of his rise and fall did Palpatine see things were threatened enough to his plan that he got off his high horse and went and fixed the when issue. He got his hands dirty. And... and this is the brotherhood and partnership between... Darth Maul and Savage Press. Yeah, you have one that is incredibly powerful, but his power mostly lies in his cunning. And then you have one that is just this side of vegetation, uh, but he has raw <laughs> he power. He's on his wits? Yeah. <laughs> Savage is not at all there mentally, but he's got raw power. And Savage, it's such a... His is a tragedy case, too. Mm-hmm. Really a kind-hearted person at heart trying to defend... Right. You know, he, his he basically... Clan. And was volunteered his tribute, yeah, to protect his clan, and Um, then was imbued with dark side energies. Commenced the shafting for the rest of his. Savage Press is a dark side dark trooper. Yeah, he's just been botched. He's like almost like a grievous character in a way. Um, But their partnership was so powerful and Mm -hmm. so overwhelming. When you can take over the Mandalorians, the Black Sun, the Huts. Oh yeah. You know, well, the, and not everything. only just be able to naturally overtake them, but to be able to bring them together and, to and also guide manage them. them. Yeah, because because a lot of people important. can go. You know, it's it's uh, obviously here's my twelfth sports analogy of the day, but you know, there's tons of people who are like, hey, you know, we'll get together and we're the two best players and we'll get together and make it super team or whatever. And a lot of times it doesn't necessarily pan out right away. Mm-hmm. To be able to get together, take over these huge conglomerates that have been around for God knows how long, yeah. and legitimately rule them, well, and, like, look at and the first... only be overthrown when freaking Darth Sidious says, yeah. you have become a rival. He never says that to anyone else. Yeah. There's been so. a disturbance, but a disturbance is like, this is inconvenient. I should cut this off you know, before yeah. it gets a I'll big deal. Tarkin. Yeah. But... For you to be a rival, and yeah. I will put on my hands and fix my own plumbing because I don't trust anybody else to fix it. And get his second lightsaber out of the statue, which is in 500 Republica, and I imagine not very easy to retrieve. Exactly. Exactly. So, uh, Maul and Savage, super underrated. And By super the way, cool. that statue was introduced in Plagueis and mm-hmm. recanonized uh, in the novel Tarkin. Yep. Super cool. All right. Rebels, you have two of them. Uh, you have Hera and Kanan. I think that's an important partnership. I think it's probably the most, sig- the strongest partnership. Yeah, I'd say the strongest partnership. And again, the they balance one another out. Mm-hmm. Really, Hera balances out Kanan, and Kanan has a lightsaber. <laughs> um, and then obviously the master and apprentice partnership of Kanan and Ezra. Yeah, Ezra, the orphan who has the bigger Look heart. Kanan, yep, <laughs> Kanan, the orphan who is um, kind of been burned before and, sim- and similar again. to... <laughs> and a third time. <laughs> to death. Um, so you have very much a Luke and Yoda situation where Ezra, who has the right heart but no training, brings 
the best out of Kanan. Yeah. It's a smaller scale relationship, um, but that moment where Kanan has that force vision where if Ezra to succeed, mm-hmm. you need to train him. Therefore, here's your knighthood. Very, very cool moment. Yeah. Um, also, worth mentioning is the brief partnership between Ezra and Maul. Yes. I feel like Maul kind of rounds out Ezra a little very, bit. Very, very potentially powerful, mm-hmm. but Ezra ends up doing the right thing, much to my chagrin. Uh, okay, finally, this one's on the brain. There are three partnerships we want to mention uh, from The Mandalorian. The most powerful, the most impactful, and the one that drives the show, and yeah. the one that we're not really sure how the freak we're going to live without it, is Man- Din Djarin, The yeah. Mandalorian, and Grogu. And Grogu. Yeah. Um, you know, once again, that moment of uh, Mandalorian, Din Djarin really reminds me of, of an episode four Han Solo. Hmm. Where it's, I'm just making, I'm just doing my thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and Grogu is the Rebel Alliance that brings the best out of Din Djarin. Certainly, yeah. Brings the best to the forefront, to the surface. Yeah, and we've, did, I mean, if you want more on this, we've got tons A of A billion Mando Mandalorian content. things. Okay, secondly, Boba Fett and Finnick Shan. If you believe it, I was the one who suggested this partnership. Didn't even occur to Josiah, the Mandalorian fan. It's true, it's true. <laughs> the third partnership is the one that I was excited about. Yeah. Two Brett. Mandalorians walking a bar. Yeah, right. It's Din Djarin and Boba Fett. Din Djarin and Boba Fett. Um, Pretty I, unstoppable as a duo. Yeah, I love... And it sucks that we never really get to see them really fight mm-hmm. uh, together against anybody. Yeah. Um, but a cool partnership. Um, a lot of people were surprised. I wasn't surprised when Boba Fett kept to his word. Mm-hmm. Um, now, what that looks like going forward now that things are fixed. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but there is an honor amongst them. They're both Mandalorians. It does mean a lot to Boba Fett that the Mandalorian returned his armor to him. That's a big, mm-hmm. big deal. So big, I can big, see big, big, them. Big, 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 big. Yeah. Uh, big, 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 big. I can see them lasting. Uh, but when they walk into that bar looking for Bo-Katan, oh my God, it's so freaking sick. And then when Bo keeps having that stupid attitude she has and Boba Fett goes, we don't need these two. I was like, give it to him, Boba. We don't need them. Um, so that was really Who cool. Not me. Not me either. They literally didn't even need them. Uh, they really didn't so, help that much. Right. And now she's presenting a freaking problem for next season. Yeah. Should have just killed her. What if Din Djarin kills her and then just hands over the dark saber to Boba and he's like, I can accept it. <laughs> uh, so duos. It's a big part of the Star Wars universe, and it's a big part of everyday life. We're a duo. Yeah. And, uh, and dynamic, uh, even. Yeah. A duo. American tale. Uh, but we say all that to say the importance of relationship and family and friends. And so spend these days with your family and your close friends and your relatives, uh, whether that's in person or via the interwebs. Um, be kind to one another going in after this Christmas into this next new year. Um, and we pray and hope that 2021 is far greater than 2020 has been. Uh, and so that's our episode for the week. We want to say, may the force be with you. And uh, on that note, remember, mm-hmm. the only family we have is me. We'll see you next week. <laughs>